It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Next is now. This is a segment where we look ahead. What's uh, on the horizon? What's trending? And one of the things that's trending is a lot of folks choosing red states over blue states and even some purple states. And we're going to go to a real expert on this one. Shoshana Weissman uh, from R Street Institute. She's the head of digital media there. She's also a fellow there at R Street Institute, uh, focusing on licensing reform, social media, regulatory policy. One of the great thinkers out there. And uh, Shoshana, we appreciate you joining us because uh, there's sort of a race for your residency that has uh, lit up the Twitterverse and the interwebs, uh, including uh, our own governor here in the state of Utah. Uh, But first, thanks for joining us. And then tell us about this little uh, race for your residency. Oh, thank you so much for having me on to talk about it. Um, Oh, my gosh. Um, I really appreciate you guys having me. But yeah, like, I I love the West. I saw uh, Salt Lake for the first time a few years ago and absolutely fell in love. And I thought maybe you know, it's just the first of the Mountain West I saw. But man, like the more of the Mountain West I see, I'm like, I love it all. But Salt Lake is really special. Um, the other week I met with Governor Polis um, and we had a great conversation about all different kinds of things. Um, and um, and I, I said, oh, you know, I want you to be friends with Governor Ducey and, and Governor Cox. You know, they're some really great governors in the area. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll send Governor Ducey a selfie. And um uh, and, and Doug DC was like, I think she's trying to get us to like buy for her residency. <laughs> so um, it's become an ongoing joke. Three governors who do some really great work, who I often disagree with on all different kinds of stuff. But I think they're they're just really good leaders and they have really great mountains. Um, so now I have to pick, is it going to be Arizona? Is it going to be Montana, Wyoming, Utah, Colorado? Those are kind of my, my thinking. Uh, but Man, the Cottonwood Canyons are so special. I'm just in love with them. So I think Utah's winning. All right. That's good. And we'll, we'll give you some more reasons uh, to think Utah is winning. Uh, and obviously, Utah is doing well in a lot of different things, as, as well as a lot of these other states, Arizona, Colorado in particular, uh, in terms of having really strong free market economies, uh, strong institutions of civil society, great neighborhoods and communities, businesses that give back, light regulatory touch. Uh, but as you look at that kind of from a broader perspective, uh, a lot of the work you do in that regulatory space, is is there something in these laboratories of democracy out west uh, that is becoming more appealing both to individuals and to organizations? So thankfully, all three states have been fantastic with occupational licensing reform. Um, I, and that's my area of interest, too. So I'm like, man, if they can live in the center of that and the mountains and all that, you know, it has me thinking. Um, I'm a real dork for that kind of stuff. But uh, Governor Ducey pioneered so much. Um, he's the reason we have universal licensing recognition in like, gosh, it's got to be up to like 
13 states now. It, it's wild how fast it spread. And it was because he and, and, um, and representatives there were willing to take the risk and say, hey, we'll be the first ones to do this. And he loves being the first ones to, uh, to have some really good ideas. And that just means people can move to Arizona and work pretty easily. Their licenses from other states can be recognized. Um, and I'm also a longtime uh, fan and also friendly with Governor Cox. Um, who's also just another really kind, wonderful person who I also think is just a good leader. Um, but uh, his first executive order was licensing reform. And I joked with him, like, it didn't have to be first, but <laughs> thank you. And uh, Governor Polis, too, I, I really appreciated so much of what he's done, what he's done there on different levels, but uh, he vetoed some really bad licensing ideas. He's like, no, we don't need to license this. Like, why are we doing this? And no, we're not like we're not continuing to license this. I forget which was which, but one of the new ones was like genetic counselor. I think the the existing one was like HOA had like to be the head of an HOA. You had to uh, have a license, which is wild and ridiculous on, on its own. But um, Colorado has a really big HOA problem. It's like yeah. something like and I might be exaggerating. I don't want to overstep, but something like 80 percent of Colorado is like HOAs. So these, these three governors are removing barriers. Other governors are, too, but these are the only three with mountains who I know. So, you know. <laughs> well, that's a good reason to get you to get you out here. I want to talk nationally for just a minute, if we can, on some of this regulatory space. Uh, there, there is a new bill in the Senate uh, that has to do with our military uh, men and women and their families or spouses uh, who often move from state to state and trying to figure out a way to make it easier on those military families in terms of some of these licensing things where they, you know, move from one state to another and suddenly they've got to start over in their profession because they've got to go through another state's uh, licensing. Uh, have you seen anything on, on that front? And uh, what's the what's the prospects in terms of kind of paving the way from, again, that licensing perspective for our military families? So on the national level, there's very little that can be done. But what there is that can be done in a constitutional way that protects federalism. It's a really big deal. And one of these bills, um, so so one that already passed a few years ago was from Senators Cotton and Shaheen and Congressman Banks in the House is also very big into this. And it basically allowed um, funding to help create state compacts so it would be easier, particularly for military spouses, to um, to move from state to state if, if states pursued this. This is a whole nother angle where it basically, um, it, 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 it helps us along even more so, making sure that military spouses can move from place to place. Um, and, you know, as I said, there's very few solutions that I would be open to, but especially when it's about raising a military, and seriously, a very high percentage of military spouses are um, work in licensed professions. And when they move from state to state, you know, every year or two, it can take months and months for them to um, to get relicensed. Universal recognition helps with that. And some states ha- have ways to expedite. But this is just another step in that direction. It also helps incentivize states because if they know that the federal government is thinking that way, they're going to want to go that way as well. Um, but we really need to make sure that we're not harming um, our ability to to genuinely raise a military by making it so um, military spouses can't work. People have to live below their means just to serve our country. And, you know, it's not fair on a lot of levels. Um, And no one should be put out of work for having to move. But particularly when the government says we are moving you, um, now you're out of work. Oops, that's just not acceptable. And it's been encouraging to see a lot of different senators and congressmen jump on this. 
Yeah, wonderful. Shoshana Weissman joining us, uh, head of digital media at R Street Institute. Uh, she's a fellow there as well, and we always appreciate her insight, not just on occupational licensing and uh, regulatory policy, but a host of other things. And uh, we love the work at uh, R Street Institute, always giving us great perspective on a, on a host of issues. And now she's weighing in on important things like residency in Utah. And I'll, I'll just give us a, a closing argument here, uh, and that is... With our with our light regulatory touch, with our great free market economy and just our great civil society, uh, we really are positioned uh, not just to be crossroads of the West and the great mountains that I know you love. Uh, we're really positioned to be crossroads to the world for a host of reasons coming out of this uh, pandemic. And so why not be in the mountains and at the crossroads of the world? That's a pretty good argument to close out with. You know, you're, you you help make the argument that it gets harder every day to justify staying in D.C. There are no good mountains here, and no offense for the East Coast, but I could do better mountain-wise. You could definitely do better, and a lot less, lot less regulations out here than you're going to face in the D.C., yes. Virginia, and, and Maryland. So, All right, so Shadow Weissman, thanks so much for joining us. We'll have you back again real soon. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, fun conversation there and some fun social media with the governors of Utah, Arizona and Colorado. I think Utah's in the lead for sure, uh, mostly because we are a pretty extraordinary place. We have our problems, but we're going to make them better and we're going to do that together. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.